Welcome to issue 5 of the Attention Span newsletter. By me, Janan Marashligil. I'm a writer, a literary translator, an artist, and a curator of cultural programs based in Amsterdam. Every other week, I take the time to reflect and offer a glimpse of how I see the world through the lens of culture, art, translation, poetry, and literature. For those of you who prefer the audio experience, I am reading the, news- the newsletter to you in this podcast version. And you can also support my work via Patreon for as little as three euros per month. Thank you for your presence and attention. On violence. It is impossible not to think about violence right now. I don't think it ever was. As a multilingual being in this world, I find no respite from any of the world's current events. Even if I try to ignore certain news, at some point they appear in my online feeds or conversations in one language or another. And I translate these constantly in my mind as a way of understanding why it happens. Language has this effect on me. It creates the illusion that it might change not only the way we see the world, but how we act in it and how to imagine, reimagine it. I write illusion because right now I feel language fails me. Right now, the killing by a police officer of 17-year-old Nael is on my mind. The fact that it is not an isolated act of violence. I will not repeat the existing research and experience on systemic violence against people of color within the police. Instead, I want to look at memory and how erasing parts of history leads us here, how that in itself is an act of violence already. Let me travel back to Algeria, where I went for the first time in 2011 to attend the International Comics Festival of Algiers, FIBDA where I learned about the Paris massacre of 1961 for the first time through the work of comics artist Abbas Kebir Ben Youssef, titled 17 Octobre 1961, 17 Bulles, Tragédie sur scène, which was exhibited there. I was shocked that such extreme violence occurred at a time so close to my own contemporaneity in a city that felt close to me through language. French, and all the cultural references surrounding it. In French-speaking Belgium, we were closer to France than to our Flemish co-citizens. This closeness didn't go as far as into history books. Not knowing about the mass killing of Parisian Algerians by the French National Police was another layer of violence I was yet unaware of back in school. Erasure of history is violence. It occurred on 17 October 1961 during the Algerian War, the massacre's Wikipedia article says, and continues. Under orders from the head of the Parisian police, Maurice Papon, the national police attacked the demonstration by 30,000 pro-national Liberation Front Algerians. After 37 years of denial and censorship of the press, in 1998, the government finally acknowledge 40 deaths, while some historians estimate that between 200 and 300 Algerians died. Death was due to heavy-handed beating by the police, as well as mass drownings as police officers threw demonstrators into the River Seine. End quote. 
that I learned about this murderous event 50 years later, not in France, but in Algeria, in a graphic novel created by an Algerian artist, should not surprise me. Institutions keep failing us. The only way to reclaim our stories and our truth is to take the space to tell our history. Eight years after my first Algerian trip, I went back twice in the following years, I was walking the streets of Paris, flaneusing, as I always do, and came across a street memorial at a spot where a young Algerian student got beaten to death by the police during demonstrations that happened in 1986. His name was Malik Usekin. Another murder I did not know about. This time, though, I learned about it in the city where it happened, walking by a commemorative plaque on the sidewalk. It was put there in 2006, 20 years after Usekin got killed, one year after the so-called 2005 riots, which were ignited by the deaths of two teenagers electrocuted in a power substations while fleeing from the police. The commemorating plaque in memory of Malik Usekin wasn't put there without controversy. First, there's been discussions about naming the perpetrators, the police, then the location of the plaque, which was supposed to be on the wall, but ended up on the sidewalk, because the owners were worried about the logistical aspects and the aesthetics of their building. They were more concerned with reputation than commemoration another act of violence. I keep wondering about language. I spend a weekend in Brussels at my mom's house where Turkish television prevails. Most news channels were constantly covering what is currently happening in France and discussion programs are analyzing the systemic racism of the country, how it all led to killing a 17-year-old and how a white kid would have never been shot this way. I was relieving the news in my mother tongue and it continued shaking me only from a different bone. And I'm writing about it in English here in this newsletter. Translating it all in my mind, I still find myself without the discourse. I'm lost, and I'm trying to make sense of this violence through language and feel incapable of it. Language fails me. Yet language is all I have. When she was living in California, poet and painter Etel Adnan, who was then writing in French, was following the Algerian War of Independence closely, understanding the violence language carried in, carried in this colonial context. This crucial development in her writing and artistic practice led to a shift to writing literary text and poetry, mainly in English. But most importantly, she found freedom in color as Saratas, the curator of Adnan's exhibition, Color as Language, which took place in 22 at the Van Gogh Museum, explains in the catalog. She writes, A free language, not influenced by colonial powers, but pure and from the heart. I love how Adnan was seeking beauty through color and created her own language this way despite how heavy the world was, and as we see, still is. So maybe language doesn't completely fail me. After all, 
I'm writing this newsletter and I'm connecting with you all. Your presence matters to me, and so does my own. In this collective experience of our wounded world, I trust we will find our own language to eventually repair and heal. On translation. When I first moved to the Netherlands in December 2007, I remember seeing the photograph of a graffiti making the rounds on social media. Alle Türken terug naar Marokko. All Turks return to Morocco. I've used this in one of my essays on translation, and I specifically chose to translate terug naar as return. I could have said go back or simply back which would have been closer to the violence of the racist and ignorant statement. There's a Turkish saying, and it means home is not where you were born, but where you eat. That is, where you're not hungry, to be precise. And how strange that only one letter differentiates the two words, domak, to be born, and doymak, to not be hungry, to be sated. And my mother would often say, that home is where your loved ones are, closer to the English saying that home is where the heart is. With this in mind, my choice for using the verb return instead of go back makes sense as I am here reclaiming the racist statement of this horrible graffiti to turn it from an imperative into a choice. But most importantly, I'm rejecting its violence. And now a few suggestions what I'm listening, watching, reading. In her Diary of Silence, Ukrainian novelist Victoria Melina wrote, Since the start of the war, I have developed a cough. It chokes me as soon as I try to say something long and meaningful. The Diary of Silence was translated from the Ukrainian by Yulia Lyubka and Kate Serkan. Victoria Melina died on 1st of July from injuries sustained in a Russian missile strike on a crowded restaurant in eastern Ukraine. Amelina had been collecting stories about Russia's war crimes and wrote several testimonies of the war. So I'm sharing her Diary of Silence as a way to honor her memory. You can read it in the online literary magazine Apophenie, which I will link to it in the show notes. Something to watch? I love this interview with writer and essayist Sirius Fed on the 10th edition of the Rendezvous Littéraire Rue Cambon, the literary rendezvous at Rue Cambon, which was held at the Metrograph Theatre in New York City. These literary events are organized by Chanel and the ambassador and spokesperson for the brand, Charlotte Cassiraghi. And yes, it's excellent branding strategy for Chanel, but honestly, I don't really mind it because the quality of the conversation is really good, so I would invite you to check it out. I will link to it in the show notes. And something to listen to, an engaging and inspiring conversation with Adrienne Marie Brown, a writer and activist, among other, uh, other author of Emergent Strategy, Shaping Change, Shaping Worlds, on Krista Tippett's podcast on being. I will also link to it in the show notes. 
And in this issue of the newsletter, I have shared only a picture from a notebook of my unpublished book on translation, L'Autre Européenne. And it's a page with a photograph of me when I was about 14 years old in a park. And the photograph was taken from the back. So you only see my me up on the grass And as if I'm walking towards something, towards a new journey, I don't know, there's something about this picture I love so, so much. So I just pasted it on the on that page together with some dried flowers and pieces of paper, which I collaged onto it. And I also have some notes on it uh, printed, which are from Charles Juliette's book, Uh, called Lambeau. It's a book I really like. It's a French-speaking book. And it says, Tu voudrais abandonner, mais un besoin te possède. Tu ne peux ni écrire, ni renoncer à l'écriture. So it says, if I translate quickly, you would like to abandon, but a need or an urgency possesses you. You, can, <laughs> you cannot write or stop writing, renounce writing. So it's like, I guess I created this page that was four, four years ago, I think. Maybe I was in a, some sort of a, what we call a blank, uh, facing a blank page and not knowing exactly what to do. So some sort of writer's block or I wasn't sure probably about something. And I just created that page. But then I ended up finishing the book. So you see... Sometimes a sketchbook really, really helps. I want to thank you for your presence. Take good care of yourselves. And I'll speak to you again in a couple of weeks.